listening to the Fish on Ted podcast with your host, Ted Johnson. Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast. We want to thank everyone for joining us today. We're recording this just in the middle of September 2020. Yes, COVID is still with us, but uh, it looks like we're gaining ground on it. And people are now out enjoying the outdoors and getting around a little bit more. And fishing has really taken off. It's really kind of an amazing uh, situation with uh, all the commercial uh, and sports fishermen out there just how much activity there really is out there and so it's uh, good to see that people are going out and enjoying their family enjoying some free time uh, doing the social distancing that they have to and in addition going out and really enjoying what fishing is all about today's interview uh, we had a little bit of problem with it uh, in the very beginning and so we're sort of going to start at midstream it's with captain chris hogue of big king salmon charters now chris has been on our show before and uh, we had a great uh, conversation about his boat and fishing the seattle area and uh, puget sound and that sort of thing but one of the things that was unique about chris is that he is a trained chef and um, when you go out on a charter with uh, Captain Chris, not only are you catching fresh fish, but uh, you can also talk to him about how to prepare it. And so today's interview um, starts off with us talking about how to prepare fresh salmon when you catch it, all the way from uh, you know the summer cohos, the kings, and that sort of thing. It was a great interview. And so um, anyway, without further ado, I'm going to start the interview right now. So I'm just curious, you know, you, you fish for uh, coho now, and then, then, then you change over to the kings. Um, you being the chef that you are, how how differently do you prepare those fish? Because uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, that the, the coho have a lot less oil in them than the kings do. And you've got to sort of take that into consideration when you're preparing those fish, don't you? Well, now, well, now there's a couple of different, a couple of different types of coho that we're talking about. So, okay. When we're talking about those June coho, uh-huh. Now, they've been eating shrimp and krill, and so they okay. have kind of a crustacean-y sort of character to them. And they're a salmon, much like a, well, they're, they're going to take on the flavor profile of what they've been eating in their meat. Um, so uh, the coho in June eating that shrimp and krill, they have a totally different flavor profile than the, than the coho that we're fishing for now. Now, the June coho have a really dark, dark red meat. And I would say there's probably, you know, what they they lack in size compared to the ocean run coho. You know, they're about half the size or a little less. They more than make up for in flavor. Just unbelievable. With with those June ones, when I get any of those for myself, uh, I'm turning them into sushi or or I'm doing salmon pokey with them. I'm not, I'm not even cooking them. They're that good. They're just unbelievably really? delicious. Yeah. Okay. Now, now the the um, the uh, ocean runs we're getting now in September and, and through the a bit of October, these are these are big fish. I mean, they're they're big and fat. Now, I will argue 
that they, for me, I will take, I will take a, a ocean run coho out of Puget Sound above our Puget Sound Kings any time, any day. Now, Alaska King, you may argue, and I believe it is different in Alaska. Uh, it's a different environment up there. And they're, you know, the feed is a bit different, but in Puget mm-hmm. Sound, I would prefer an ocean run coho over our, over our Kings any day. They're just as fat. They're a gamier, more flavorful taste, in my opinion, my taste, um, than what we're getting uh, as far as the, the Kings that we're getting. Now, some of these Kings that we were getting in August, uh, they didn't have a lot, they didn't have a, they didn't have a lot in their stomach. So they were probably you know, running. They probably waited out there. Feed was too good out in, in the ocean and then started running in here. The ones that we hit, um, they, they, they don't have that flavor profile, obviously, that the June coho have. But if you were asking right. me how I would cook them differently, I would prepare, if I was going to cook those June coho, which are a lot thinner filet, you would definitely, if you're going to cook them, if you're going to grill them, it would be quick off that grill really quick because you want to get those things off there when they're about a little bit over rare to medium rare because they're going to continue to cook and a thin fillet like that is going to get dried out pretty quick. But when you get mm-hmm. into the, the larger fish, the larger, obviously the larger ocean run coho and the kings as well, those fillets are quite a bit thicker. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, you, can, you can leave those on the heat a little bit longer. For me, less is better, you know, when you, when you get a, a fantastic taste in fish like salmon. I mean, a lot of times people go crazy with it. They do a bunch of seasonings, you know, they, they, they do Cajun with them. They, they overdo it. And they overpower the taste of the salmon. You want the salmon to taste like the beautiful fish that it is, Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. salmon. You don't want it to taste like, you know, um, uh, a can of Lowry seasoning, for example. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you're you're right. I mean, you even go to some fine restaurants and you order a salmon fillet, and you can barely taste the fish underneath all of that. Yeah, that's 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 poor pre- that's that's poor execution right there. I mean, mm-hmm. the dish needs to speak for itself. You know, the yeah, the protein is the is the prime actor in the in the show, and it needs to shine on its right. own. Right. So, so in, in regards to you know being a chef and that sort of thing, when when you serve serve salmon, would if you make a error in it, would you prefer to have it undercooked or overcooked? Oh, undercooked for sure. And I'll tell you why because the, the, that that fish you apply it to apply it to uh, to uh, uh, proteins like steak as well. You're, you're putting heat into that protein, be it salmon, be it tuna, be it a filet mignon, be it a, a porterhouse steak. And when you pull that off of the heat, it is going to continue to cook. So you can never take a steak that's cooked medium well and make it go back to rare or make it go back to mm-hmm. medium rare. But obviously mm-hmm. with salmon as well, you can always put it back on the grill. You can never turn back the clock and, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, undercook it. Um, and there, there are, obviously there's folks that, that prefer a, a well-done steak. I'm not, that, I'm not that person. Medium rare is my flavor, maybe medium. 
but with, especially with fish, salmon especially, high oil content in salmon, uh, the, the more you cook them, the drier they're going to be and the less flavor is going to be into them. So, That's true. you know, I was going to say if you prefer that, that type of, of, of heat or you prefer that texture of a fish that's been cooked that much, go ahead and just smoke it. I mean, you're going to accomplish the same thing. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, well yeah, you, make, you make a very good point. Yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just curious. Do you smoke much fish? You know, I the, the when we get the pinks and which is kind of a big bonanza, is everybody wants to go get the pinks. I mean, the families, you know, they take out the kids because kids are catching fish left and right. I I will uh, uh, I'll usually get the limit for myself too if we've got mm-hmm. if we've got time, depending on how how full the boat is. Um, but I generally will smoke most of the pinks, and yeah. I mean, I'll grill some too. But I'll generally mm-hmm. smoke them all, and mm-hmm. they're a fantastic fish smoked. I mean, there's so yeah, many different brines you can do. You can go online. You can come up with all these different brines, and then when they come out of the smoker, while they're still hot, uh, I'll generally give them a little bit of like a oh maybe a light honey Dijon glaze on top of it, and while they're hot, they'll soak that in, and then right. you can cool them down. Um, you know, Ziploc them, put them in a put them in a vacuum pack, uh, freeze uh-huh. them to last forever. Once they're in a vacuum pack, I give a lot of them away to neighbors, friends, and a lot of them I'll send off to to customers just to remind them, hey, you know, we're we're going to go fishing again next year, you know, Merry Christmas, that sort of thing. And a, yeah. a lot of them I send them around for the holidays as little gift packs and stuff. But but the pinks are a fantastic fish to smoke. Now I would not would I take. Would I take a luscious, you know, uh, June coho or, or or the ocean run cohos and smoke them? Nah, probably not. No, they're just they're just too fantastic the way they are. Right, right. Now I'm I'm just curious on the glaze that you put on the the fish after you smoke them. Now some people will uh, add, uh, like you said, honey, or or they'll use a teriyaki, or they'll they'll use a, a maple syrup. And then I've I've heard of some people putting them kind of under a grill after they're smoked just to uh, you know caramelize that 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 uh, uh, that that sweet syrup on the top, and then they uh, you know they'll freeze it or they'll do whatever they they want with it. You don't put it under the grill for very long, just a little bit. Have you done that? Yeah, yeah, I've done that. You could do that. Um, another thing you can do is you can get a you can go to a, a restaurant supply store and you get just a, a little butane torch. Like, uh, oh, for example, yeah. if you were making creme creme brulee, right? You put the right. sugar on top of your creme brulee, and then you take a butane torch and you would torch that and you will caramelize that sugar, and it will mm-hmm. turn you know like a very dark brown. And then you take it off, and that's how you get that that almost like glass. Yeah. Uh, uh, crust on it yeah i've done that before um with uh with like a, a honey glaze maybe honey curry glaze or a honey teriyaki glaze or just a straight teriyaki ginger glaze and you just just give it a little heat then take it away and it kind right. of caramelizes on there then you cool it down and that adds that adds a lot of uh, a lot of flavor profile and a lot of texture to the salmon as well um yeah but it doesn't it doesn't hang around for very long yeah that salmon is yeah. gone <laughs> Well, that's true. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, I don't think anything tastes better when you're salmon fishing 
than eating smoked salmon while you're mm-hmm. salmon fishing. I, that is so a fantastic. True. That's a fantastic combination there. Yeah, so 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 true. You know, smoking is yeah. such an, you know, and 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 getting that right. I, I remember in the beginning, you know, I would smoke some fish and and I'd pull it out of the smoker and it looked beautiful, and you'd bite into that and you go, "That's solid salt." I mean, that, that's all that is. You yeah, know? Uh, too oh, much. Right. Don't want to do that. That's going to ruin it. You know, if, if, you, if you don't want to smoke or you just, you just are not into that, a great way to do the salmon, too, is a nice cedar plank. And okay. you don't have to go to, like, the restaurant supply store and throw down, you know, $35 for, for a cedar plank. You can, right. go to, you can go to any store and get untreated cedar, just mm-hmm. planks. And what you want to do with those planks is uh, make sure they're untreated, like I say, and you soak them in water yep. overnight. Just just put yep. them in a bucket of water. They're going to soak up that water. And then um, uh, you can throw them in the oven just as they are, mm-hmm. low temperature, you know, maybe 300 degrees, depending on, you know, the, the calibration of your oven there. And cook that salmon right on top of there. Mm-hmm. Until it's about medium rare, until you smell that that cedar, and oh, uh, don't be afraid if that cedar you know gets a little bit dark in the oven. You didn't buy it at a restaurant supply store. You you bought them at Lowe's. Okay, throw right. them away. Go get some more. And right. you're gonna smell that cedar, and you're gonna pull that out, let that salmon cool off, and that is out of this world, out of this world. Yeah. That's that's world class restaurant right at home, right there. And, yeah, and that, that's the, fantastic. Yeah. And I tell a lot of people too, don't be afraid. You know, I'm I love sushi, so mm-hmm. when I get a good quality fish, I could take home for myself. I mean, a lot of times, you know, the, those June ones, I'm turning into sushi, and I I do a lot of you know, everybody likes ahi pokey. You can do the same thing with salmon. You can do a salmon pokey, and that's real. That's that's fantastic too. Just your your white sticky rice. You get some edamame, uh, a little wasabi in there. You can get your marinated um, uh, uh, surimi salad at mm-hmm. well, like a Whole Foods store, or you can go to a fish market and they've got that. I like to throw in. Oftentimes, what I'll do is, if if I get some salmon roll, I'll marinate that in a little soy sesame oil, uh, a little bit uh, of uh, uh, lime, and you can mix that in with your pokey as well. But I really like the uh, the tobiko, the flying fish roe, mix that in with uh-huh. it. And a little soy sauce, and, and you're, you're just, you probably will never cook salmon again after you've had it like that. It's so delicious. The flavor profile of the salmon that is just fresh out of the water that hasn't had anything added to it that's in that form is, is, is absolutely fantastic. Right. Right. Now, do you, do you ever make uh, like ceviche or anything out of that? I have before. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, halibut is good in ceviche. Uh, uh, scallops are good in ceviche. Uh, mm-hmm. Your rockfish, your snappers, of course. Uh, salmon is fantastic in ceviche. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we do that. We do that in summers. That's nice. A couple of tortilla yep. chips in there. Nice Corona. Oh. You're off to the races yep. there. Yeah. 
ceviche is amazing. I was down in uh, Cabo San Lucas a number of years ago, and we were out. We were fishing for mahi and rooster and and uh, uh, marlin and that sort of thing. And then uh, in the evenings, we would go out off of the docks and we do uh, some fishing for like uh, what, what would be the parrotfish that they have there and that sort of thing. And we, one night we ended up with, good Lord, I don't know, probably 30 pounds of, uh, you know, fish right off the, the dock. And we were staying at, I won't, I won't name the place, but we, it was a beautiful place. But the, the cook said, if you, you know, in, in broken English, she said one day, if we bring her in some fish, that she'll uh, uh, give us ceviche the next day. Okay, so we got 30 pounds of fish and we went into the kitchen and she was all excited. And we were all excited because we were gonna have ceviche the next night, you know, before dinner. And uh, so we gave her, gosh, it was at least 30 pounds of fish. And the next wow. night we uh, we went into the, the, the kind of the bar area before the the meal and went in there about you know an hour early and, and ordered our drink and she said she was bringing the ceviche out and she brought it in this little tupperware you know bowl and set it down in front of us with some chips and we're all kind of looking around going you know where's the big tub of the ceviche you know and at that point um, she didn't quite understand our english but i'm sure we fed her family that night the night before which was <laughs> Which was fine with me, you know. <laughs> she was very kind to do that for us, but uh, that yeah, that's thirty pounds of fish down there. You guys had a good day. Yeah, yeah, thirty pounds yeah, of fish. You guys had a great day down there. Yeah, we, yeah, we had a great day out the docks. It was it was a whole lot of fun. It was a whole lot of fun doing that. But uh, I love yeah. that anyway. We love. We were in Cabo about about seven eight years ago, uh -huh. and. Uh, we're marlin fishing, of course. When marlin is, you know, when I'm marlin fishing, of course, it was hot the day before you got here. It's hot the, the day that you left. But but I did hook into a unbelievable sailfish. And, uh, man, he fought. Oh, it seemed it seemed like he fought all day. But it was probably, it was probably 35 minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, got him in the boat and said, I don't want him. I don't want him. And we tagged him. And, yeah. uh we had a little, uh, a little, uh, kind of like a little GPS module that was at the end of the tag, and uh, I was able to follow that guy around. I was able to follow him around for for a while, and uh -huh. that guy ended up. He ended up around the Philippines and out in the Pacific Ocean, and then then he either got caught or the thing fell out of him. We lost track of him after a while, but that was pretty oh, cool. cool. That that was that was a trip of a lifetime. Yeah. Now you followed him online. Is that what the, the I website? followed him on the computer? Yeah. I just yeah. I, I I had my my password and I typed in the little module ID and I guess they put your information on there and it would mm -hmm. show you on a you could zoom in it would show you on a global map of where this guy was. Wow. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. And I think they use that information for conservation as well. Right. Right. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I've, I've never caught a tag fish like that, but I imagine you do every once in a while, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, he's a big sailfish. He had a big tail. I mean, he's, you know, the big beak and everything. You talk about getting airborne up and out of the water. Uh, of course, uh -huh. you're, in a, you're in a fighting chair, you know, with, you know, with, uh, right. you know, you're strapped in and everything. He pulled you over the yeah. boat. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't have that, that procedure going on. Yeah. 
I'll be darned. Well, well, hey, tell us a little about the the conservation going on in your part of the world for the uh, for the salmon, uh, you know, that come in year round. I, I know there's been controversy and but a lot of effort into making sure that the fisheries, you know, continue to come back in in, in the years ahead. What uh, what what do you know about that right now, Chris? Well, so what we've got going on now is, uh, and we've had for several years, is we have a uh, a pretty aggressive hatchery program. So they will take uh, they will take uh, you know the eggs and the juice, and then they'll they'll make hatchery salmon. They'll take them from specific stocks and rivers, uh, and they will uh, turn into fry there. And then what they'll do is they will clip the the adipose fin off of these fish which is the small fin before the tail right and then they'll grow them a bit and then they will bring them into a specific stream and they'll release them into that stream so those salmon are getting coated when they're released into that stream they'll go out with uh with uh, the salmon that have that have spawned there and They'll go out, they'll feed, they'll go out to the oceans. The ones that don't get uh, eaten or taken out there or caught in the sound, they will go right back to the stream uh, where they were released and they'll make, uh, they'll, they'll spawn with the other salmon and they'll make wild salmon at that point. So it's an enhancement uh, program to the whole fisheries. What we've going on now in Washington, which is going to uh, greatly intensify this uh, this hatchery program is we've got an issue with the southern resident killer whales. So these whales uh, have adapted over a period of time to just target and eat salmon. So what's happening there is there is we've got a seal population that has come in here that used to migrate and now they come in here and they stay here all year round and they, they breed and they're impacting the salmon. Seals eat salmon, which is the food that the, uh, that the um, uh, whales eat. Now, the, there's another type of killer whale that comes into Puget Sound and they're coming in a lot more frequently now because they found out there's an ample food supply. Uh, these are the transient whales. So the transient whales, they will, they will eat salmon. They prefer seals and they do hunt other whales. Well, they're starting to come into Puget Sound now because they found out there's a tremendous and plentiful supply of seals. So they're right. coming in and they're kind of, they're kind of imp taking care of impacting the seal situation, which is the residents' problem because the, those seals are eating their salmon. So in addition to that, uh, what's going to be starting up here next year and moving forward is they're going to redouble the hatchery efforts here. So they're going to fire up the hatcheries to 100%, and they're talking about building more hatcheries, which is going to be great for sportsmen, and oh, yeah. is also going to be great for our for our for our southern resident killer whales because there'll be more salmon for them to for them to eat, and more salmon for right. us to catch. Right. Oh, absolutely. Wow, it has a bright future, does it not? It it you know and. I've been fishing my whole life, and there there was a there was a downturn in the salmon populations in the 90s, uh, mm -hmm. pretty significant for a few years. But I can say, through my experience and all honesty, it's it's improving, you know, 
every year it gets a little bit better with the exception of, you know, when we have some poor water conditions out in the ocean, but yeah. when the oceans are doing good as they have been, uh, and as it looks like they're going to continue to do, uh, we're just going to see salmon populations increase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome, man. I mean, they're, they're not back to what they were in the seventies and eighties, but, uh, the, but they're headed that way, aren't they? Probably so. Yeah. I mean, I'm in mean, the 70s, a little bit before my time, um, but uh, not quite yet to the 80s yet, but we're getting uh -huh. there. What we're seeing is, is an increase in both abundance, and this is, the, this is the, real, the real important one, the increase in quality, quality meaning oh. size. The, mm -hmm. si the, size of the, the size of the kings that we're getting, you know, takes me back to when I was a kid. The size of these ocean-run coho that we're getting at just recently, I mean, these are, these are big fish. I mean, these are, these are coho, uh, 10, 12, 13, 14 pounds with a big hook nose. I mean, these are fish that are, you know, huge uh, sometimes as long as, as, long as, the, 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 as, long as the, the cooler, you know, 38, really? 39 inches long. And we're getting, we're getting several in the 28 to 32 inch range. So, oh, I mean, those are big catfish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that, that is just, that's just turned on, you know, over the past couple of weeks. So I think it's oh, going to yeah. be good all the way through the end of this month and, and through, uh, you know, through the, through the first couple of weeks or so, or maybe longer in October. Right. Well, you know, you and I have talked a, a couple of different times uh, over the year, uh, or this year in particular, and, it, and we were thinking at the very beginning of this COVID thing, you know, this is not going to be a very good year, but it's turned out to be uh, a, a really good year for uh, uh, for guys like yourself, captains that are fishing out there, and they're having some of their best years, you know, years ever. Um, how does your calendar look for people that are looking to come and fish with you through the rest of this year, Chris? Uh, well, we've depending on depending on the weeks. I mean, we've got we've got. We've got space available. We're not 100% booked up, but we're fairly looking pretty good. Uh, my suggestion for anybody that is interested in going fishing up here in, in, uh, in the Puget Sound area, the greater Seattle area, uh, get a few dates lined up. Uh, talk mm -hmm. to your family, talk to your friends, and when you call or when you email, just don't target one date. Because what will happen is if you've got a group of dates, you know, that day may work, and then you have to get back to your group. But if you've only got one day, you get back to your group, then by the time you get back to, to us here, we've got that date booked up. And it, you're, you're, you're trying to play catch up, and it doesn't, doesn't bode well for getting anything, you know, in the books for you. They, they go right. pretty quick once people make their plans. So I would mm -hmm. suggest that people get a, get a good line in maybe three or four days that you think you'd uh -huh. like to go in, and then get with us. And when we get one of those days up, maybe we can, maybe we've got all of them available. Maybe we only have one. Then we've got some options. We can get you out. Mm -hmm. Well, that, well, that makes sense. And, and up around where you are, uh, 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 the marina that you go out of, are there hotels and that sort of thing around your part of the world? Yeah, there's a fantastic hotel, which is walking distance to the Edmonds Marine. It's the, uh, it is the Edmonds Harbor Inn. Send a mm -hmm. lot of people over there. A lot of people love it, and it's just walking distance to the to the uh, to the boats. Uh, and there's a couple of great restaurants in Edmonds. There's um, 
there is um, uh, Arnie's, and they do seafood and pasta, steaks, fantastic. Uh-huh. And then there's Anthony's Home Port, which is right there, too. So Edmonds is kind of a destination all to itself. There's a little sure. old mill town. There's, there's a lot of uh, coffee shops and antique shops and open-air dining and, and unique rustic little bars and, and, and things. And it's, it's, it's a great area. You can spend, you could spend two days just walking around the little town of Edmonds and, you know, get lost in there. You never want to go anywhere else. So it's a destination all to itself. A lot of times when people are at the hotel, they'll book a day and then they'll end up spending, you know, one or two more days down there. Right. Right. Well, you know, like, like we were saying, you know, the COVID thing has sort of slowed people down a little bit. But for those that want to fly in or drive into the, you know, to the Seattle area, you guys just got this cornucopia of, uh, of great things to do, you know, and whether it's Pike's Market or see some of the, uh, you know, the, the attractions like the Space Needle or, or uh, what is it, Mount Rainier and that sort of thing. There, there's just a ton of stuff to do in your part of the world. And, and you know. Oh, there's a ton of stuff to do down in Seattle. You've got the Great Wheel. You've got the Pike Place Market. You've got Pioneer yep. Square. You've got all that. That's 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes south of us. Um, uh-huh. And then you've got, if you, you know, if you want to, you know, 45 minutes north, you're out in the middle of nowhere. You're out in the mountains. Um, oh, yeah. Nowhere else in the country where you can, you know, be 15 minutes and you're on the water. You know, That's 20 right. minutes south, you're in a big city. 45 minutes north, you're up in the mountains, mountain bike riding, out in the middle of nowhere, you know, in God's country. And um, mm-hmm. it's, just a, it's just a great place to, to live and to vacation. There's so much to do here. And I know you oh, mentioned, yeah. you know, we're, we're kind of in the middle of the COVID thing. Hopefully we're not in the middle. Hopefully we're towards the end of it here. Um, but we're following all, all the standards here. Uh, so mm-hmm. we've got, you know, um, People are masking up, um, you know, families, of course, it's all one family in the boat. You know, you've already been exposed right. to each other. So that's up to you guys. But we've got everything available, the, the, the professional grade sanitizers, all the handy wipes, the boats, completely sanitized top to bottom after every trip. I'm talking rods, reels, everything. Um, right. So we're playing it as safe as possible here. Right. And you're not a party boat either. I mean, you don't have a, a lot of people coming together and you're fishing 50 off of the back of your boat. Um, I mean, you're, you're a true charter. When, when someone uh, um, books a trip with you, it's pretty much their party. Or maybe you combine, you know, two couples together and that sort of thing. It isn't, uh, it isn't, isn't you know, just like a mass of people either. No, we're not the party boats. We're six passenger trolling boats. Um, uh, if we mix groups together, they're small. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there may be a three and a two, a three and a three, a two and a two, something like that. We're not going right. to put, you know, four strangers on a boat or six strangers. We, we don't do that at all. We always yeah. put good groups together. I feel, I, I kind of feel what the chemistry is going to be. You know, is the mix adults, adults and kids? What's that going to look like? So everybody has a good time. You know, to be honest with you, Ted, we can go. We can go to the fish market and buy fish. Okay, we're out there to have a good time, and we're going to catch right. fish. But the experience is everything. It's having fun mm-hmm. on the water. It's making memories that'll last a lifetime for you, yep. for your parents, for your kids. 
that's what it's all about. The the joy for me is if I can get kids on the on the boat and they catch the first salmon, that makes the whole day for me. You you've converted somebody at that point. You know, it's almost. Oh like yeah, you get you get you get that young guy who caught a salmon that's dang near as tall as him. He's going to be a fisherman for the rest of his life, guaranteed. Yep, yep, yep that is exactly not going right. to be in the house playing video games all day. He's going to want to go outside and do stuff outside. <laughs> that that that's right. And the Puget Sound itself, for people that are, are not familiar with it, it, even though it is salt water from the Pacific, it's like a lake most of the time, isn't it? Yeah. So the sound, the sound is salt water. So what a sound is, is a sound and Puget Sound, Puget Sound is named after Captain Puget. So what a sound is, is a body of water that is connected to the ocean. So mm -hmm. in Puget Sound to the south, we go past Edmonds and then we go down to Tacoma. We pass Woodby Island, we pass the Kitsap site, and then, then we have the San Juans to our north and then we have Canada and right. we have Deception Pass. So, so it is salt water. You're within sight of land at all times, and generally speaking, it's it's it can get a little bumpy, but ninety percent of the time, it's it's very calm because it's blocked by land around all around all sides. So, right. like any body of water, you can get weather, but generally speaking, the sound is going to be is going to be a hundred times calmer than if you were than if you were on the ocean or an open right. body of water, or even in the Straits of Juan de Fuca. Mm -hmm. The sound is pretty well, pretty well cushioned from, uh, from a lot of the, uh, a lot of the temperate weather that we get. Right, right. Gosh, it's a beautiful place, man. You, uh, you are a blessed man to be living where you are and doing what you're doing. It, it sounds like you love, uh, love taking people fishing. Love it. Yes. When the fishing's good and the weather's awesome, You'd pay to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Hey, uh, Chris, how do people get a hold of you if they uh, would like to book a trip, you know, later in 2020 or even coming into 2021? Well, they can call me direct at 425-776-7688. Mm -hmm. probably, the, probably the easiest way for anybody to get a hold of us is to is to go to the website, bigkingsalmoncharters.com, and all the information's there. You can shoot an email. You can go online and book a trip right there online. You can see the availability. You can see all the different fishing packages. Um, I've got a great link to, um, to a uh, fish company that I partnered with that will ship your catch anywhere in the United States uh, next day, for that matter. And... Um, and uh, just a ton of information there. Uh, you can text me as well. So you can phone, text, uh, email, and go to the website mm -hmm. and, uh, and uh, get her all done right there. Make a reservation right online. And with the, uh, with the holidays coming up, there's nothing uh, that says I love you more than uh, a gift certificate with uh, Big King Salmon Chargers, right? Absolutely. We'll put a bow on it for you. <laughs> Very good. Well, Chris, thank you so much, man. I know you're a busy guy, and we have sure enjoyed talking with you. And um, as always, stay safe out there, uh, tight lines, and uh, you take care, my friend. 
You too. Fish on, everybody, and uh, have a great rest of the year. Very good.